Hey mate, I just realised that I didn't record an intro to that episode. It's a bit right at the start where I say, welcome to episode 34 of I Could I Outdoor Adventure Podcast and all that stuff. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure what we can do to fix that at this point, but I don't know, maybe just go straight into the music. Okay, see you mate. Thank you, as always, to our regular podcast sponsors for their support. Topo Maps Plus, a phone application that allows you to view topographical maps and track your location even without cell phone coverage. Go deeper into the backcountry. Rios Floating Polarized Sunglasses with 100% UV protection for the love of water. Bluey Merino, Australian superfine merino wool base, mid, and top layer garments. Where our story ends, yours is just beginning. Caribbee, one of Australia's leading backpack, travel and outdoor brands. They supply us with dry bags, waterproof day packs and expedition bags. Supporting our sponsors allows us to continue to produce this podcast. So please jump online and check out what they have to offer. We would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land from which we broadcast today, and pay our respects to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners. Craig, how are you, mate? Hey, Tom. On top of the world, actually, mate. Feeling fantastic right now. Me too. It's a very, very special episode because, well, not only are we back from a bit of a, uh, a busy period in our own lives, but... We let me just paint a little picture here of oh, actually where we're sitting. Please do. So there is a a wallaby, which is for your international listeners, it's like a small kangaroo. Um, just over there, mm-hmm. there's another one somewhere. They've come right up to this cabin. We're sitting on the deck of this cabin, and we're looking out to the sunset in the west. And currently, it's it's uh, so the sun's already dipped behind the mountain ranges, but it's just a beautiful bright red and yellow glow with a few clouds streaked across there. You can see the kind of layers of mountain ranges going from the dark in the foreground through to those kind of hazy hazy kind of greys in the background. Hmm. And we're just at that point of time in the afternoon. It's about uh, 5.30 p.m. local time, and all the animals have kind of, all the birds and animals are quieting right down. So we, yeah, Craig set up a bit of a studio setup. Well, not a bit of a studio setup. Maybe you've done a, fa- a stellar job here of, of getting us uh, our normal <laughs> pro mics and everything from back in the original <laughs> studio and bringing them out here on this deck. Brought it with us, mate, didn't mm. we? Yeah, you've done well. No. So yeah, that's that's where we are. We've been staying at this cabin for uh, around about. Uh, well, I've been here for around about yeah four days, about four days. And last night we spent a night out in the mountains with uh, a 
very dear friend of mine who's the owner of this property and Craig came along as well. And how would you describe that, Craig? Oh, this is my first visit here and I just can't believe the extent of this rugged bushland we're looking at right now. We we went down there and, and had an ex- oh, the, 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 the the chance to um, cook on the open fire with uh, right beside a, a waterfall and a swimming hole has absolutely made my day. We had yesterday was was one of the best days I've had in a long time, mate. Mm, that was fantastic. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's really you could sit here for half an hour and and go on and on about how um, how amazing it was. But I think Craig summed it up. We had a, a, a beautiful little campsite down there at the base of the waterfall. And, yeah, like me, I think you summed it up, as I said, cooking on an open fire and just sitting around having a, having a bit of a laugh. I think there was some, a few sneaky whiskies um, in a few people's jackets down there, <laughs> <laughs> slipping out. Yeah. Uh, and, oh, this morning I had a swim and that was just full on, so cold. I think predictions on this morning's temperature were four degrees a low of four but that's not specifically the area we were in so I, I think we might have dipped a bit under that yeah it was cold it was cold but the water was icy and uh but it's colder than where we <coughs> usually we're in um, oh yeah in new south wales right now that, that um, we're, yeah we're we're um no half a day's drive up more than yeah just slightly over half a day's drive south so uh, it's a lot colder but it was it was good it was okay yeah, i loved it it's good speaking of cold it's starting to mm. really freshen up here yeah at the moment i've I actually got a blanket ready to put around me because uh yeah i don't plan on sitting here and shivering now what have you been up to mate oh, it's actually been a little while hasn't it yeah it's been quite a while Mate, I won't go too deep into it. I won't bore everyone with um with my boring life, except to say that. And um, me, thank you, thank you, mate. I appreciate I'll, it I'll on behalf it. of everybody listening. <laughs> I'll keep it short and sweet, but um, did go away over Easter and um, put up the tent with the family and had two days of torrential rain. <laughs> I remember when you were leaving, I kind of had a bit of a laugh to myself. <laughs> two days of of sunshine, so we copped it really, really bad, and um. But we still made it into, you know, what what we wanted, which was which was heaps of fun, and um, I think the kids actually loved it um, more than more than we did because we were trying to keep the water out of the tent the whole time. <laughs> oh yeah, and there was flat batteries and there's all sorts of stuff that you know got oh, in the great. way of a good time. But we we rose above it. We rose above it. Nice one, mate. Yeah, I do. Like I said, I remember that weather. <laughs> it was pretty And I, I remember th- sitting at home thinking, I'm pretty happy I'm here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I am going to bore everybody. Um, in full contrast to Craig, I've, mm. I've been up to a ton of stuff. Uh, I think as far back as I, I did a four-day canoe trip with a uh, friend of the podcast, Josh, He's actually been in the... He was in the cave episode for anybody who's listened to that. And uh, we had a fantastic time. Um, did a bit of um, lure fishing uh, up this uh, river system. Uh, for anybody kind of local, I guess, um, it's the Noosa River, upper Noosa River system 
uh, also referred to as the Noosa Everglades, which is a spectacular part of the world. I've been to quite a few times, but it's just nice to get up there again. And uh, we did less paddling and and more kind of fishing and and just cruising around than on my previous trips. Uh, so that was a nice little getaway. I this is my second trip to this to this cabin out here in um, the last sort of four weeks. So that's been, you know, amazing, as you can imagine. Mm. Also took the family out to a place called Bunya Mountains, which I'd never been to. Pretty cool. Really, the most interesting thing about the hiking out there was we, st- we stayed in this cool little cabin with a fireplace and everything. It's quite cold out there. Uh, and it was only a few hundred metres to the trailhead. The most interesting thing about the hiking out there was the diversity of the of the rainforest. So it was almost um, I'll put it this way, Craig. There was I'd still class it as rainforest, but it was completely different to anything we've really ever experienced when we get into that. Let's say, for example, your quintessential rainforest is uh, Lamington National Park in Queensland, for example. Okay. W- yep. Without saying uh, North Queensland, which I haven't visited enough to speak of. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. Uh, then this, it's quite, like, it's it looks impenetrable when you look across it, right? And there's lots of um, vines and you, you can't see much more into into the rainforest than maybe 20 metres, maybe less. In this case, you'd come out into these open areas where, the trees were still rainforest trees or more so bunya pines and the there was just no kind of ground cover except these beautiful sort of shin-high uh, ferns. Mm. And so you'd look through the trees, which is something that was reminded me a lot of hiking in um, California. And I went up to, um, what was it called? Um, I went up to where all the Yosemite. sequoia trees. Yeah, I, I went to Yosemite, but um, not so much where I was in Yosemite. But when I visited the sequoia trees, hmm. uh, it may have been Sequoia National Park. It was a long time ago. Anyway, it, it really reminded me of that straight away because they don't tend to have that undergrowth as much as we do. And it was just really cool. Um, um, no, some, no canopy up top either. That sun's coming through. No, no, the the the, the bunya pines are massive. They do oh, put up blocked. a canopy. Okay, gotcha. So it was still a hundred percent shady, and it felt like a rainforest. But you just move through these various levels, mm. and yeah, as you as you kind of went, your elevation changed. You'd notice the the terrain changed mm. instantly, and then when you came back up to the elevation again, all of a sudden it was back to where you were before. It was a very interesting hike. Uh, we did a couple of hikes out there, actually. Yeah, it's always good when things change around you and you, it's really you know, yeah. more, more interesting. Oh, it is. And also for me to go somewhere not overly far away, that presented me with a completely different kind of vibe when I was hiking because we do tend to um, go back to the places we love and, and see the same things. But that uh, was good. Mm-hmm. It was very good. Something I wanted to touch on is we 
we've had a little break from the mics and that's let me know i won't go into too much detail mostly i think both craig and i have been sick throughout uh the past um you know a few weeks few months and not at the same time either so unfortunately i had a few weeks where i didn't want to be speaking on a microphone and then you know he had that as well so yeah just just leading up to this and i thought oh i can't even ask you to do one because you must be yeah yeah i've just kind of in a good place now where i feel like um you know hopefully i sound okay but it was yeah it it affected us putting out a podcast but what i was uh wanting to touch on was the the huge amount of uh support uh, that came in from so many of our listeners and Mm. and I mean, you know who you are. It, it was just extremely um, humbling and just really generous to to take the time to kind of um, jump on, you know, direct messages on Instagram or, or people are also going to the effort of um, sending us emails. Are you guys okay? It's been it's been a while. Is everything okay? <laughs> and uh, probably thinking the worst. But uh, mm. I just want to say, yeah, apologies for that um, little gap in in broadcasting but it was yeah truly truly a pleasure to receive so many messages and um i'll tell you a funny story craig this just reminded me of something yeah so um geordie is this really cool cool guy that uh reached out to us um well a very long time ago i've mentioned him before on the uh on the podcast he's actually a um his full-time job is is leather craft, so he makes some um, beautiful handcrafted handbags and all sorts of stuff, leather belts, everything. It's really it's really cool, really quite interesting. Uh, anyway, he he wrote me this this message that first of all to kind of check we're all good, but second of all he said, oh, I want to tell you this really funny story. Mm. He said he walked into um, a pretty big. Uh, he, he went to Tasmania and did a, a massive hike down there. And I said, oh, I'm so jealous. But he said he walked into a pretty big uh, uh, outdoor um, franchise, I guess you'd say, shop in Tasmania. I guess a last minute preparation for what they needed for their trip. And he got served by um, Andy oh, no. Slozzy. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. Who was a. Uh, previous guest of ours a, a, quite a long time ago. Really? Yeah, and he, and Geordie said he was such a fanboy because he absolutely loved those... Uh, the, it was a two-part episode. He absolutely loved it, and he said he just went full fanboy on... Um, <laughs> on Slozzy. <laughs> on Slozzy, go, oh, my God, you're Andy. Oh, I, I, um, I, heard, I heard your interview on the podcast and everything, and, and oh, I just laughed so much when I read that story. I thought... Oh, it's so cool! Like, what a small world! Like the the things that we uh, the things that people tell us, and it's, everything kind of connects into each other. Is it is hard to know what you would say to Sozzy if you ran into him, but that's great, isn't it? Well, you know, he's not going to have a hard time talking to you and telling you everything. That's right. That's right. That's right. He does talk really well. Yeah, he talk, he'll tell you everything. He's great. <laughs> that's so, crazy. Um, yeah, make sure you got a few minutes if you drop into a particular store in Tasmania and bump into Andy. He's a top bloke. But, yeah, thanks um, also to Geordie for sharing that story and, uh, and um, yeah, reaching out to check on us like many of you have. Uh, 
I just had to take this, my hat off. I realised I don't need it anymore. The sun has set. I've it's, only got a hat on because it's keeping my head warm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I cut my hair really short and it's um cold. Uh, um, oh, you put me off, Craig. It's all good. Uh, what I'm going to do now is... So, somebody... Not somebody. <laughs> His name is Fraser. He's not a somebody. Fraser sent me a message. He was one of the people that sent us a direct message and, and checked in on us to see if we were um, all good. And I, I wrote back and we had a bit of back and forth communication there, just letting him know that we are okay. We've been a bit sick. Um, a few things have gone on. We've been busy. But then he sent me a, a follow-up email and Fraser, just, just thanks so much for sharing what you did in that email I'm going to touch on a few things but mate it brought a tear to my eye and I'm not even kidding like it actually kind of made me um well up a bit uh even now kind of talking about it just just brought back the memories so yeah thanks for just being so honest um Fraser is 21 so 21 year old dude he says um and he's in the UK Sorry, I just knocked my pen there. He's in the UK. He loves the outdoors. He aspires to be an adventure tour guide. Uh, he quite eloqu- eloquently states here that our podcast satiate his deprived thirst for hearing and learning about all things hiking. Ooh. Nice work. I think you should also work, do some poetry, mate, in your spare time because you got, you got the way with words there. Uh, he works night shift in a supermarket couple times a week and uh ever since he's found the episodes he uh gets so excited when one pops up and he um he works away um listening to that and having a laugh <clears throat> now this is a bit that really kind of choked me up when i was reading it uh he recently very unexpectedly his father passed away at age 65 and he was best friend and a huge influence in his life and he um it was what does he say here on oh yeah he's, he's on some of the days where his dad would take him to work he told his dad about this podcast that he in his words i can truly vibe with told him about us and our stories and and his dad was so happy that he um kind of found some uh or, Fraser says help, but I don't know how helpful we are, mate. But uh, someone to just kind of listen to banter and and uh, I guess <clears throat> inspire him in a way to to really kind of be that outdoorsman that he that he wants to be. So it, it's a fantastic. Um, hmm. He also says that um, we're similar in character, ethics, and and uh, humour to his father, which I thought was hilarious. Must be a top bloke, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, in, on one hand, like, my heart goes out to you, mate. Um, and on the other, I'm, I'm just so glad that he got to um, to hear that and that he was so happy about you following your dream and, and that we can continue to um, do what we do and... And continue to kind of, I don't know, hopefully take you there. Um, there's a few things uh, I haven't responded to your email yet, Fraser, uh, and I will because you got a few specific questions that I might um, try and hit you back with some information. 
Uh, you apologise for an incredibly long email. Don't worry, because I will talk for an incredibly long time. Uh, any um. Yeah, he he he's, he has just for everyone's knowledge, he has um given me permission to speak about anything in the in the email, um, especially his father, because he wants the world to know how lovely of a person his father was. Man, that's absolutely fantastic. He says, "Keep being legends." I love the humour. There was a really funny bit. Where is it? Let me find it. Oh, this is funny. He says, um. I think my most favourite funny moment was either when you asked a quiz question and you were going to tell the answer at the end and you just didn't tell it at all. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> Which I thought was, was fantastic. Classic, <laughs> classic Tom. That was one of his That was one of his funniest moments, but it, it was not meant to be a funny moment. <laughs> Bloopers. <laughs> yes. That's right. I thought it was, that's still one. That's great. That's awesome, man. Uh, and the other one, this is a great one. Um, somebody we were interviewing, uh, I, I, he must, I think it might have been Tom Fabry by the sounds of it. Anyway, someone we were interviewing was talking about um, problems they had and bad habits and addictions that they had. And Tom told Craig, now, Craig, are you listening here? <laughs> oh, that was a funny one. Yeah, that was a good one. That, one of my best, some of my best content. Uh, yeah, good stuff, man. That's so cool. Excellent. Uh, well done. So thank you, Fraser. I mean, you took so much time there to, to open your heart to us. And uh, it, yeah, it's, it's awesome. Um, I also need to jump off the back of that and say thanks so much to the people who have gone ahead and, and started supporting us on Kofi and um, subscribe to us on Kofi, uh, which is ongoing support for the, the podcast. Um, the website for that, just in case you need to know, is ko-fi.com forward slash hike or die, one word. And you can find that link on our website or whatever. But what we've really, I mean, for a little while there, I'll be honest, I didn't quite know what uh, a subscriber um, would would want to be interested in. So I, I asked straight out the sort of things they might be interested in. I had a few ideas, but it seems to me like behind the scenes content is something that is people find interesting just to see a little bit behind the behind the curtain of, of what we do and maybe some of the adventures that we go on. And, and uh, to that point, we just recorded a, a really short video before we came on air just to show this um, this the studio, the ghetto studio we've got set up <laughs> and, the, um, and you know, the surroundings and everything like that. So we'll be uh, posting that on Kofi for the subscribers to check out. Uh, in the lead up to um, this podcast being released, also, we'll probably drop little, um, little exciting kind of bits of information and stuff about upcoming guests and things like that. Uh, but yeah, look, uh, honestly, it's it's um, it's very humbling for people to um, go that far to support us as well. So, thank you again. We really do appreciate it. It keeps us doing what we're doing, 
uh, and, and funding what, what can sometimes be a expensive little endeavor. Mm. All good, Craig? You keeping up with me yet? We good? Yeah, we're good. Thanks okay. for keeping up. Very good. Let's go to the quiz, and in this episode, I'm going to do my best to answer it uh, before the next episode. Uh, Craig, you're not allowed to answer this one because, um, oh, well, you can try and think about the first one, but don't look at my screen, okay? You promise you won't look at my screen? Because I've got my laptop here. <clears throat> you're not going to look at the screen, all right? Okay, just hit me with it. Uh, okay. Uh, here's a question. If you visited one beach in Australia each day, obviously a different one if you get where I'm going. If you visited a different beach each day in Australia, how long would it take you to visit every beach? Okay, does that make sense? Oh, how many days? Well, I'm not gonna tell you, it's at the end of the <laughs> far out, man. He still doesn't understand how the quiz works. Uh... Anyway, there's a bonus question <clears throat> I thought it's kind of related to, to that in a way. What are budgie smugglers? Oh, yeah. Okay, so there's another one for you. What are budgie smugglers? And um, as I said, they're slightly related, so have a think about that. Oh, hello again, guys. We did, I'm going to be honest with you, we did actually take a sneaky break there because <laughs> we're freezing cold. <laughs> it is so cold now. It is. Uh, it really dropped off in the time it took to uh, start the podcast to now. Now that sun is, is fully sunk uh, behind the horizon there. Tom's Not got easy. a blanket over his I knees. I have a blanket over my knees, <laughs> a wool blanket. Um, not unlike a, any kind of a grandma would have. Exactly like a grandma would And have. another one over my shoulders because there's not much meat on my bones. Mm. Anyway, yeah, yeah. We're back, we're back. We're all good. Don't worry about us. We're not hypothermic. Uh, I'm not sure if you remember in the last episode, Craig, I mentioned uh, how much... I guess back and forth was going on about the potential closure of Kakadu National Park. Yeah. Which is a, a huge national park in Australia. And, and, and to cut a long story short, the uh, it was just being kind of just decimated by, by tourists who weren't looking after it and uh, there wasn't enough funding to keep uh, enough people employed to actually clean up all the mess. So... What's finally happened now is one particular, I guess, what would you call it, point of interest, uh, a popular destination for tourists is called Gunlam Falls. And it's now pretty much in the process of, of being closed. Mm -hmm. And it's all of the same things that were mentioned in the last last time I spoke about it, I just thought it'd be interesting to touch back on that for anyone interested uh, in the first the first episode I mentioned it, is that, yeah, so first, the first time I spoke about it, it was a kind of a maybe thing, but now they're actually, uh, they've chosen one sort of monument to, to shut off to the public, and uh, who knows, it could be the first of many, but mm. it really does highlight uh, the, the ignorance is of um, just the general public. Uh, if you're not one of those people, 
don't worry, I'm not I'm not talking to you. If you're a person who who you know respects the the land that you're visiting and carries your rubbish out and doesn't scratch your name in the rocks and things like that, then that's great. But yeah, it's a bit sad. Well, it's not a bit sad. I th- I think it's extremely sad. What irritates me the most, I guess, Craig, if I can continue to rant, is that uh, that affects me directly and me my too. family, my yeah. kids. Um, you know, if that stays closed forever now from this point, then I'll never see it, and um, nor will my kids. So yeah. disappointing. It is disappointing. That's just if people wonder why they can't have nice toys if. And I look after him, right? Moving right along to something a little more light-hearted. This one's great. Good. Google Maps loses town. Hilarious, right? <laughs> this is so good. Must be. Um, so basically, this um, the mayor of this little town called Eramunga, Eramunga. Something like that. It's about 12 hours um, west of where Craig and I live, straight into the um, into the desert kind of thing, or at least towards the desert. Right. And it's it's pretty funny. I mean, I, I think it's pretty funny. So it just didn't, it no longer turned up on Google Maps. It just literally didn't exist anymore. If you, if you were driving through on that route, it just wasn't even there. Uh, so the um, the mayor has has gone, you know, on YouTube or whatever, or in interviews and stuff, and he's uh, he's not, he's unimpressed. Uh, so he's um, got, he's got all these uh, funny things that he said to the media as well. If you see a signpost saying this town is this way, and Google Maps is telling you something different. Don't trust Google Maps. <laughs> says Quilpie Shire, Council Mayor Stuart McKenzie. Oh, Quilpie, is it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, at one time, this this is quite funny as well. I mean, I'm sure they don't think it's funny, but at one point, uh, a few weeks ago, it was 85 kilometres north of its actual location yeah, for right. almost two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for laughing, but middle of nowhere. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, so he's um he's getting all he's getting all up. Um, this is one of his quotes: "The map's been a bit crook for two weeks," which is Aussie slang for being sick. Which is what he's saying is it's kind of broken. <laughs> it's really cool. Um. <laughs> this is, there was, so there's a pilot as well. This pilot's jumped in. He's been interviewed. And he's flown over the town on, on the way out on his route. And he said, but uh, on Google Maps, I didn't even go over the town, <laughs> which I thought was quite unusual. You'd start to worry, yeah, would you? If you're a pilot that was, um, uh, you know, constantly like running supplies in and out of these rural towns or, or whatever this guy was doing. And... Uh, you know, you're used to flying over it on a route to get somewhere else, and then 
on another occasion you fly exactly the same route and you didn't fly over the town on your yeah on your that. GPS. Yeah. You think, oh, I'm way off. What have I done? Something's wrong here. Don't trust Google. Um, yeah, <laughs> he goes on to say, I just love the these interviews. He goes on to say, um, so he was with a, another guy. Oh no, he he got onto somebody at the um, museum in Eramunga and says, "Mate, are you seeing the same thing I'm seeing, <laughs> or is it just my computer?" And uh, and then his reply is, and he goes, "Nah, you're right. It's a bit crook." <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just don't know if it's going to translate well to our international listeners, but just that kind of real Aussie slang is hilarious. I hope they get it fixed, mate. <clears throat> yeah, it's still not fixed. The jury's out on that one. Um, but yeah, they're even um, up in arms because of the Google. You know, when you go onto Street View, he says, oh, it's, oh, it's more than 10 years behind. So we've got really nice cafes now, but it's still showing these old things. Oh, right. <laughs> Jeez. Life's tough. Life's tough in the outback. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, Craig, this is a, this is an interesting one, and I honestly don't know how to take this. Uh, I read this article on Backpacker.com, and I just can't work out if it's tongue in cheek by the writer or not. I just can't work it out. Um, Olivia Dwyer, maybe you should send me an email and let me know if you're joking or serious but what what this article's about it's called um in praise of the f you stop um is it always rude to dash off as soon as slower hikers catch up maybe the slinky stop has its place it's called slinky stop from the toy okay think of the you stretch the slinky out and then it stops to wait for the rest to catch up, but as soon as the uh, the people at the back catch up, the front guy moves again. Do you understand that mm-hmm. concept? So, mm-hmm. which is I've done it to you before, and and you've done it to me before, and it's super. I, I try not to do it anymore. Uh, even today, I made a conscious effort not to not to do that. So what happens is you're hiking, and you're the you know maybe you've been sick. Um, for a while, maybe you haven't been training, maybe you said yes to a hike that um, you shouldn't have, or maybe you've never hiked before. It doesn't matter. What happens is you go hiking with a group, and the fit hikers blast off ahead, and then at some point, they get so far ahead that they stop and wait, and they wait for you to catch up. But when you catch up... Mm. You're you, not refreshed. They've been waiting for you for 10 or 15 minutes. They got their breath back. So you'd finally catch up and go, oh, great, now I need to rest. But as soon as you get to them, they go, right, off we go. And then they start moving again. Um, <laughs> it's usually frustrating. And I guess to say that there's any, again, I don't know if this is a tongue-in-cheek um, article or not. Like it kind of seems lighthearted in places, but... Um, in some points she talks to the merit of doing that to, to people that you take, um, maybe in things like maybe you should push your friends a little harder to kind of, uh, 
keep up like they're not gonna they're not gonna die like just keep keep them moving or perhaps there's something like um there's bad weather coming so you need to move faster or things like that but i really um i just don't think it's a great way to put it this way your duty as a as a seasoned hiker to bring anyone else on the trail even if they're a seasoned hiker and they happen to be out of shape at that point in time i think it's your duty to uh adjust your pace to help them have an enjoyable experience so that they want to go back out there and do it again now you could argue with me and say well shouldn't you be able to go at the pace you want to go because you did the right thing and trained and and you're ready to go and you can hike at that pace and i'd say to a certain extent yes but one day you're going to be the person on the receiving end you're going to hike with someone way fitter than you or you're going to be like me today and just coming off the back of being you know sick with a kind of head cold for two weeks I've done no training and I guess my um, respiratory is that how you say it system Mm -hmm. is uh, a little out of a little out of whack from that and you might be on the receiving end of it maybe and you said yes to a hike that you you didn't want to cancel so you've gone out there not feeling 100 percent um so uh, i just don't know what's your thoughts on that craig it's amazing they've written an article about this um because yeah you're bringing that to light i think it's it's true when you meet up again you must pause and have a chat there's a that's the chance to just have a little yeah bit of a chat or a little bit of a this is great and let that person catch their breath i think that is courtesy you know if you're hiking in a group you're not hiking on your own are you no and and you've agreed to that i'm assuming 99 percent of the time you've agreed to uh hike with this person so maybe you'll never hike with them again because that irritated you the whole day and it ruined your day or whatever but i don't think that that's grounds for sort of um I don't think that's grounds for you to say, well, I, I can justify it. I can justify being um, upset and all that sort of stuff. I don't know. Yeah, I'm kind of with you, mate. Yeah. And she does kind of, again, like I said, it's kind of lighthearted. She says, of course, like, she's basically saying that there is a time and a place for it, and I'm not convinced that there is. And she says right at the end, of course, I'm not advocating overuse of the slinky stop, but you'll have to catch me if you want to argue about it. So, again, it's kind of like signing off, like, are you kidding or serious? I'm not quite sure. Uh, I'd say the slinky stop doesn't have a place at all unless everybody's in agreement, and I guess unless the person at the end <clears throat> moves at such a slow pace that they don't need to break once they catch up they could just keep going you know what i mean yeah 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 tough one i don't know i'll put the jury out <laughs> to you guys you guys tell me that's what interesting do I know? Yeah. yeah nice work tom craig this next one's an interesting one mate mm-hmm. interesting on a couple of levels so this is a outside magazine so outsideonline.com article and it's titled the ethics of wildlife photography yeah a recent incident involving a renowned wildlife photographer allegedly baiting foxes at grand teton 
sheds light on a larger issue. Now, there's a particular photograph of... Well, let me just start with some of the facts here. Oops, sorry, I'm just getting the article up on the screen. A world-renowned British photographer, David Yarrow, was lying on his stomach in the snow and he's photographing these red foxes, right? Mm. And behind him uh, was one of his colleagues and was using a um, cellophane wrapper from a cigarette packet. It's kind of waving it in the wind and I guess, you know, making the noise and everything to make them think that uh, it might be some form of food and entices them closer to the photographer so he can get an epic shot that he shares with the world and and people go, wow, what an amazing um, mm-hmm. natural situation there. So this photograph, and Craig and I are looking at it right now, is exactly the scene I just described. He's just trying to get that fox to look at the camera, isn't he? The guy up the back here. Yeah, trying yeah. to get the fox to turn so his head. So he's, he's kind of... But uh, also trying to lure them in with right. the, um, it's not, sorry, I'm just moving my chair. It's not interested in, oh, that's a cool noise. It's obviously thinking that you oh, have food. something I want. Um, like a fox is not just going to come towards you because you're going, hey, fella. Yeah, right. So, yeah, and I guess um, <clears throat> that's interesting that you react like that, Craig, because it gets really, really interesting here. Now, initially... Um, I see him do that all the time in, in, in the shopping centres to try and get the little kids to, to face the camera too. To face... To do, get so His little rattle. Kids. A little rattle. Oh, yeah, those guys. Yeah, this... Well... Tell me more. Hopefully it doesn't end like this does then, Craig. Um, so... They kind of, um, like, this this photographer and his colleague have responded and said, um, you know, we're, I don't think that, that um, you know, they're going to eat, I don't think they eat cigarettes, do they? And he's kind of being smart in his response and kind of defending their actions, saying that they didn't do anything wrong. Um, they know what they're doing. Uh, they know... Um, that you know they they don't want to interfere with with the animal and everything, but I think what was re- this is where it gets really bad. Two weeks later, after he took that exact photograph, two weeks later, park rangers trapped and killed one of the two foxes that was present on the day of Yarrow's shoot. Because the animal was habituated and food-driven, uh, having spent the past year, you know, taking food from picnickers and and uh, thieving trout from anglers, this sealed its fate. So this um, Yarrow guy and his associate um, was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back. They've lured it in, lured it in to get the shot, got it really, really interested in humans. So that stupid comment by his um, his offsider about, well, I don't think they eat cigarette packets, do they? It's probably the most ignorant comment I've ever heard, and this magnifies it, 
because one of them's now dead. And had it not been enticed in, perhaps it wouldn't have been that, um, trying to do that to the next lot of people. Not good, huh? So you're saying that because it was spending its time hanging around with them, it wasn't out getting some food that it needed or... No, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that they've kind of showed those foxes that if you come to to humans, they have interesting stuff. And in the past, every time that fox has gone near a human, it's been able to steal some food. But I guess it's just really built up that confidence mm. of being around humans while they were taking the photographs. And then uh, it's it's hassled some other people and had to be put down. So am I saying that that, that fox... Um, that they're 100% responsible for that fox's actions. Not really, because as they say in the article, very honestly, it's been an ongoing uh, thing with this bunch of foxes and that one in particular. But my point is, do you not think it's a coincidence that two weeks before it it finally um, gets killed, um, that he's out there trying to entice it in with... with, um, cellophane wrappers and stuff oh right i get it yep Such so a bad encouraging look. behaviors that and, are not and, good for exactly them. Okay, right gotcha, encouraging gotcha. them to be interested in humans for perhaps potentially getting more food um yeah really bad really bad ending and uh it's it's, it's um blown up hugely within the um, kind of U.S. Uh, wildlife, you know, parks and wildlife groups, and then obviously the wildlife photography groups, and then everyone's questioning everyone's ethics now uh, because I'm sure this is not the only guy that's doing things like that. I'm sure there's people doing much worse. Like, let's put it that way. Um, I'm sure there's people actually using real food and throwing it out and waiting for an animal to come to get that mm. that photo, mm. which we all think when we see it on someone's Instagram or when we see it on uh, on the front cover of um, National Geographic magazine or something, we assume that somebody stalked in and the animal was unaware and they, they got this amazing shot of the animal in its natural environment. Gotcha, yeah, yeah, It's yeah, just yeah. not altogether true. So that's kind of opened a can of worms. Oh, wow. Shall I switch back to something um, light-hearted, Craig? Is that going to... Of course, mate. Yeah, so I can sense you weren't exactly <laughs> happy. Well, did the, the um, fox get put down for approaching humans? Later? Yeah, two weeks after. Right, because for me, when you read it to me, I thought the, the, the fox had maybe starved You thought death the photographer got put down. <laughs> I didn't follow you exactly because I thought that maybe he'd caused the animal to have a nap, some unusual death, but it was just a getting put down, right? No, gotcha. it got put down because, gotcha. um, I mean, he has to be partly responsible yeah, for that. Yeah, I see. I Luring see. it in with I unnatural see. kind of um, uh, things. And then it's going to do it again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, and it obviously did. Yeah. Uh, where's my next article? Oh, this one's... I said I'd do something lighthearted, but it's actually... It's got a, a bit of twist. <laughs> <What's that? laughs> okay, so there's this photograph um, of this um, this news news post, which is uh, 
helicopter and and basically a rope coming down with two massive um, kind of cradles, not cradles, canvas sacks. Baskets, sacks, yeah. Yeah, um, with goats, <laughs> with goats in. Are they goats? Oh, right. They're goats, yep, yep. which I thought was hilarious because we actually saw some goats uh, yesterday and today um, over on the, the mountains. In fact, just after I went for a swim this morning, they were... Uh, they came around when I was warming up in front of the fire. I could hear them down there. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, this, this is quite funny, but a group of mountain goats have been airlifted by helicopter to a new home after they began harassing hikers. Oh. Hey, lucky we've got friendly goats out here. They did not harass <laughs> us in any way, um, you know, just to be fair to them. <laughs> Uh, so it's in the Olympic Peninsula in Washington. Contains, oh, okay, this gets a bit, gets a bit funky. Um, kids, maybe I don't know, maybe don't listen, but but you might learn something. You're going to learn something factual. Uh, so yeah, the Olympic Peninsula in Washington contains no natural salt licks. Um, a salt lick, uh, animals like deer, goats, and several other animals love salt. They absolutely love it. They crave it uh, like it's candy. And they, there's salt lick. It's a big block of salt that you can kind of half bury in the ground or there's other ways, obviously, of distributing it. But it, it um, gives those animals the kind of nutrients that it needs and replenishes salt. And But it is kind of like um, crack cocaine to them in some ways. Anyway, they don't have those things. So mountain goats have started to rely on human sweat or urine for salt. This leads to a conflict between the species, the species being humans and goats. And this is where it's, um, I said it was, it was something lighthearted, but it's actually not funny. Um, a hiker was fatally gored by a goat in 2010. Now, I don't know anything about that particular incident, but that's pretty gruesome. And obviously it kind of folds into the last thing I was just talking about where that constant inter interaction with humans gets them more and more confident, more and more brave, and they, they end up doing things uh, when they don't get their way or, or we spook them or something like that. So um, <laughs> that's a great Dr. Photo. Patty Hap who's from the um, wildlife branch, she's the wildlife branch chief of Olympic National Park, told the local radio station, they'll follow you on the trail until you stop and urinate. Um, in which case, I guess they're there to um, get some of that sweet salt. Uh, so yeah, look out for goats. <laughs> Don't worry if you're down in this area, they're absolutely friendly, delightful. Yep. And um, at this point, I've <laughs> never seen them chasing, um, chasing us for that. No, no. But yeah, interesting. So they had to relocate them. Or? So yeah, these guys have been that's what... getting rowdy. Yeah, and obviously, like they f they follow the hikers and freak them out, and um, yeah, and then I guess once they learn again, again, it, it folds perfectly into that last article. Once they learn, oh, 
following a hiker equals eventually we get some salt, then every single hiker is a potential salt lick, like so, a mobile salt lick dispenser. So watch your back, all right? Watch your back out there. Yeah, watch your back. And then, um, yeah, keep your eyes peeled. But hopefully they've taken all of the, the little, the nasty ones out. But yeah, they got a free helicopter ride for their efforts, which is more than they deserve. Good stuff, Craig. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was a pretty good one. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Oh, this is another wildlife encounter. Well, I've got lots of wildlife encounters this time, haven't I? This one's um a little way back, but as in it was the end of last year. Oh, no, it's been updated this year. So regardless, uh, it's only come to my attention um, very recently. And there's this video, which I won't play, but um, I will put the link in the show notes. 650-pound grizzly bear chases hiker in Glacier National Park. If you've seen this uh, video, it's it's um, pretty full on. And... This guy's continued to film while <clears throat> while it was all going on, and, and I'm not I'm not kind of, I'm not having a go at him for that. I mean, oh, I've seen this one. Have you seen this one? Yeah, it's freaky. So so up this path here, there's some hikers. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I've it seen comes this. tearing along uh, the front. There, there it is. There. Yeah, it comes tearing along the front and then starts going up towards them, and. And people are yelling from the ridge, aren't they? So, yeah, the people, um, so the people on the path, the people on the trail... Don't actually, yeah. ...don't really know what to do because, you know, they're obviously um, not... They don't frequent those areas or maybe they don't uh, They don't know what to do. It might, might be their first hike. But it doesn't matter. But they don't really know what to do and they're shouting out to the group that's filming saying, what do we do, what do we do? And, and they're shouting back advice saying... Um, you know, just just move away and all this sort of stuff, and then um, they start running up the trail, and the the lady who's you think they're saying don't run, yeah, don't she's run. saying don't run, don't run, yeah. and <clears throat> it charges towards them and gets some um, within what I would consider a distance I wouldn't like to be within yeah. with a full Close grown on. grizzly, yeah. and then kind of stops, and I think he realizes. Uh, it's not what he wants or they are human and there's a group of them and he's not interested for whatever reason he stops and then he turns then he turns towards the people screaming taking the film and he and he takes starts to kind of trot towards them and the, even the camera guy goes oh great now it's our turn <laughs> really um yeah like uh, you say you've seen it and i'm sure it's been around for a while but if you haven't it's is Amazing. quite confronting and uh, footage, yeah. the speed at which <clears throat> this thing gets mobile um is scary absolutely scary you know people um people say that it's dangerous in australia or i don't know if there's some statistic like we've got 22 of the 25 world's deadliest snakes or something like that and we've got spiders and crocodiles and sharks and um all sorts of stuff but we we you know we camped uh in our tents down 
you know, in the middle of nowhere last night and not once do I need to worry about mm-hmm. um, waking up to that thing sticking its head in my tent. Yeah, that's we it. just don't have that level of of predatory animals here. Um, so we're very lucky. We do have goats, so, I mean... <laughs> Sniffing around. You'll be careful because we obviously would, um, you know, not too far from the camp, we were urinating mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. one of those goats could have come down and gone, what have we got here? Oh, mate, I think it would be... It, it just, it, my mind boggles about, um, you know, living in America and having, or Canada and having to live, deal with those, um, those bears. Yeah, I really am, um, I really do admire the, their commitment to, to getting outdoors. And, and I understand, it's like everything, it's, it's, it's like, I guess some people would believe that if you swim anywhere in the ocean in Australia, uh, you've like there's a ninety five percent chance you're going to get smashed by a shark. Um, <clears throat> do, do you understand what I mean? You think like, it's just a perspective thing? I think it's um, I think it's something that if you grew up there and you did go into the wilderness be. a lot, not only would you know um, how to deal with the situation a little bit more calmly than you and I, but you may see a um, mm. animal at a particular distance and think. Oh, that that's of no threat to us. Let's continue about our business. Hmm. For example, um, I was just out the front of this cabin um, four weeks ago, and I was—I can't remember what I was doing—moving some firewood or something. And um, a little uh, black snake just went across in front of me, um, probably about, oh, probably like two meters, so not far. It just went moved across in front of me. Now. I, there's a fair few things to say about that. I was, first of all, I I wasn't scared whatsoever, not because he was small, he still has, you know, venom, um, but because of the distance. Had he been one foot away, I might have got a bit of a fright and thought, oh boy, I almost trod on him and, and that's not a good thing to do. Uh, but because of the distance, I kind of, in a split second, I guess you evaluate the situation and go, here's a couple of things happening here simultaneously. One, he's moving perpendicular across in front of me, which means he's not moving towards me, which means he's not interested in me. He's just heard my footsteps and he's on his way. And two, again, that distance is, well, if he's two meters away, I can deal with this. I can move left or right I can, or I can back out of here. So you know what I mean? Like it's just that. Yeah, we've got a lot of um, <clears throat> situations where it's it's dangerous and deadly animals, but not aggressive sort of. I don't know, predatory. Yeah, um, I think people are going to laugh at this, especially our US listeners. They're going to think those those Aussie guys have got no idea. Maybe no, because what, what no, what I'm about to say they're going to laugh at is well, say <clears throat> I'd rather get bitten by a snake, um, any day. Oh yeah. In the right circumstances. And just kind of, yeah, sit down, have a sip of water, <coughs> pick up my phone and ring somebody or hit my emergency, um, you know, locate a beacon or something and just sit there calmly and wait for rescue. That's a completely different t- scenario to um, potentially getting um, hmm. charged, attacked, mauled, all those things. Yeah. A bit scary. 
Mm. Bit scary. Yeah, keep safe out there, guys. But also, um, <laughs> as I said, some pretty um, pretty rugged people out there continuing to brave the outdoors. That's and it. I commend you. That's it. Doing it for all of us. Got another animal-related attack thing. Yeah? Yeah, again. I thought this one quite interesting because our... Listeners might not be familiar with the cassowary. We've spoken about the cassowary before a long yeah, time ago. Sure. Yep. But it's a massive bird. Like, would you say the size of um, like an ostrich or something? Yep. Maybe smaller, maybe shorter in stature. Stumpier, thicker legs. It's basically like... Uh, shrunken velociraptor, right? <laughs> it's got big, yeah, it has got big <coughs> big claws, apparently, big talons on its Excuse feet. Me. And it's, yeah, got a big horn or crest on its head. Yeah, it's, a big crest on its head. It's not, yeah, it's it, it doesn't mind whacking you with that. But they look quite beautiful and they, they're, you know, quite a stunning creature, so. Yeah, they're spectacular. But they, but are, they are known for, dangerous. Um, yeah, they are very, very dangerous and they are known for um, killing animals and, attacking humans, uh, they can be very violent. Now, I don't want to allude to this, uh, and I certainly, this is probably the first time I won't be sharing this on the show notes because it's from a a particular um, news outlet that I just don't like. Um, I don't, I just think that this is is kind of a two-part, two-pronged article for me, Craig, because I think Mm. they've gone overboard and in their kind of clickbait um, title. So the, they say here that it, um, basically video shows cassowary stalking hikers in Queensland's north. Now, that's completely and utterly untrue because once you start to, uh, when you actually watch the video and when you actually read through the article, it turns out that the, um, the bird's just following these people, Okay. Um, which is still, I mean, don't get me wrong, that's a scary scenario. It's funny because we just said yeah, uh, I know. five we, minutes ago we don't have anything deadly predatory. that's going to follow you on the trail and um, and try and rip your face off. But, uh, but, but this guy will. <clears throat> anyway, where I think that they've gone wrong is um, when you watch the video, it's, it's a very curious uh, cassowary and it's, um, and it's checking them out. But... I just can't, I didn't realize this. I'm going to be honest about this, Craig. I didn't realize how all these articles tied in until now we're actually doing the podcast. But because experts have spoken on this and said um, that this is not cassowary behavior at all. And they've blamed um, cases of humans feeding um, this particular bird and others. Uh, So it's kind of expecting lunch every time a human walks past, not unlike the the little goats expecting a little salt. Um, and a senior wildlife officer has said that it, um, if it wasn't habituated um, with kind of bushwalkers and hikers, it would never, ever approach a, um, a bushwalker. And if you kind of put some pressure back on it to, to shoo it away, I guess they say that it would have um, retreated immediately into the forest and to avoid such an encounter. Uh, so yeah, again, wow, it just keeps highlighting the um, 
I guess people think they're harmlessly feeding these animals and then mm. um they end up they end up turning on people. Um No, oh, look, I've just been googling. If you do believe what pops up in the first few uh hits, um only one reported death from a cassowary, but hundred and fifty attacks on humans. Okay, hundred and fifty attacks, <clears throat> one death. That's um that's not a good way to go. There's probably better ways to go than a cassowary death. Yep. I mean, I'm sure that it, it, it went for a while. <laughs> that's, that's horrible. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so anyway, stop feeding animals. Oh, I know I'm, I'm, I'm not talking to you guys who are listening. Tell your friends to stop feeding animals. Craig, this next article, I find this one quite interesting in a few different ways. This is for our friends in the U.S. And it's uh, kind of based around Colorado. And the article's titled, Is Spontaneity Over for Colorado's Outdoors? Enthusiasts have mixed feelings. What this is about, Craig, is people are now... I guess expected to and and in 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 some cases required to um kind of like book hikes and I guess pay for permits um and things of that nature do you understand what I mean so instead of just being able to right. um access an area um you may have to in the near future check first and book that and, and get your permit. And I don't mean overnight stays. We already have to do that uh, here in our state and throughout our country. Uh, it's a very minimal amount that we pay to stay overnight at a campground. And obviously that money goes straight back to National Parks and Wildlife to maintain the campground and, hmm. uh, and, and the surroundings. I have no problem with it. All good. Obviously, if, you, if you're planning a trip of that nature... You're going to plan in advance. You're going to book your permits. All good. But what, you know, people who frequent the outdoors are getting a little uptight about is, again, it takes that spontaneous nature out of, hey, what do you want to do yeah. today? Hey, let's hit the let's hit the trails in this particular area. Yeah. Oh, hang on a second. We might not be able to. Oh, we, we don't have a permit or we haven't organized it early enough or it's booked out or whatever. Taking their freedoms um, away, mate. Well, I think some people will see it like that. But again, this this is because of the way the trails are getting destroyed and the way those areas are not keeping up with the influx of people. They do um, say that COVID, I was um, going to say, is it a COVID kind of thing? Impacted that. I guess a lot of people were. Juice the numbers. Were. Um, Oh, more people no, no, were going, that yeah. more people were going because they wanted to kind of um, get outdoors and 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 don't get me wrong, I've spoken about this at length in other podcasts about the benefits and uh, of getting outdoors um, for your mental and physical health. We all know that's a thing. That's why we're here. That's why you're listening to the podcast. That's why I'm sitting here freezing with blankets around me doing this podcast um, in the middle of nowhere for you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I thought it was a, um, I thought it was a tricky one, but mm. I, but I'm not a hundred percent against it. And 
So it's passes and stuff like that they're talking about. Yeah, passes for state wildlife areas. Now, some of the people are in favour of it, saying that, um, well, yeah, I'd prefer that if there was some kind of a pass or permit system because then it might not be as busy at certain times because you actually can filter that flow in, mm-hmm. um, which, uh, as we, you and I know from booking campgrounds, mm. Uh, they only have a limited amount of um, spaces available. So you know you're not going to get there and struggle to find a spot or that not find a spot at all. Um, so, mm. I, I, yeah, I don't really have that much of a problem with it. Well, the same thing's been happening on, on Bribie Island lately. Did you know that? Uh, are you talking about beach access? Yeah. Well, that's been around for ages, though. The COVID thing. No, 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 no. I don't think it, I don't know about anything COVID related. So you get your annual pass, right? You yep. buy your, your ticket, and then you now have to also have a COVID pass because you log on that you're going to be accessing it that weekend, and they have a, a limited number of people. So if you don't get a oh, pass, I think that's I think that's different. I think that's a different conversation because that's based on um, uh, social distancing. Yeah, it so is. that's based on not. Yeah, so I guess it's similar in the way that they're restricting access, but this is not. Because of COVID, right, right. Hmm. What I meant before when I said um, it's because of COVID is more people are oh, yeah. going outdoors to, I guess, kind of, um, you know, refresh themselves, mm-hmm. get some time in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. So therefore, all of a sudden, and 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 you know, a lot of people would have um, their jobs would have been put on hold. So they go, okay, let's let's start hiking, and let's get out so there. more yep. people were going to these places. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, this is not a social distancing um, issue. This this will be ongoing um, forever mm-hmm. uh, if it all goes through. And um, yeah, I was it, just it saying just similar issue here mm-hmm. where lots of people were going onto the beach and they were just filling up, and so they've decided to put this policy in. Lots of people, yeah, are a little yeah, similar bit, situation for different reasons. A little yeah. bit offended by it too. Yeah, uh, which is ridiculous. Mm. I'm not even going to go into that. Um, for, yeah, the most of the reasons for this is because the place is just getting smashed with yeah, people totally. and um, trails yeah. are getting damaged and you can imagine how much rubbish and litter's being left everywhere. Um, you know, they basically say we want people to be safe, we want the natural resources to be protected and we want people to have a good time. So mm-hmm. um, that's one of the ways of managing that. And in a way, like the, the, the fact that outdoor... Um, pursuits are on the increase is a good thing. Um, maybe those new people just coming on board for the first time need a little bit of education on, on how to look after it. And uh, again, like that, the first Kakadu story I started with, if we, if we look after what, what we're allowed to access, then we'll be allowed to access it freely for a lot longer. Yeah. There's a message in that, kids. I've only really got one more thing for you, Craig. You're probably glad about that because you're freezing too. Oh, well, I'm not sure if our listeners can actually feel how cold it is I here. Thought you say, I'm not sure if they can take much more of this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask you for your blanket in a sec to share. Can, what, All right, can, we're just wrapping this podcast up immediately. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it won't come to that, mate. All right. Uh, this this last one's. Oh, this is interesting. Do I say that every single time? Yes, you do. I've said that every single time. Just for the record, I'll try not to 
put a news article on here that's not interesting. That's it. They're all and interesting. then I can just say right at the start of the podcast, hey, guys, everything I say tonight is interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, hopefully everyone feels the same about that. Headline. Oh, I don't even know how to say this. The Sentiero di Apache. A new hiking trail uniting Italy. We mm. just lost all of our Italian speakers listening <laughs> because of my terrible um, yeah. attempt at saying that. You reckon? I was reading that. I think you got that right. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. I I've got no idea. <clears throat> I still appreciate it. I still appreciate it. <laughs> this is an, an ambitious project, $35 million over 13 years to connect all of Italy's 25 national parks by a single trail. Wow. That's cool, huh? Yeah. When it's completed in 2033, a new route known as the Sentiero di Apache, translated as (laughs) Path of the Parks, will cross each of the country's 20 regions pass through six World Heritage Sites and stretch nearly 8,000 kilometres. I'm sorry, US listeners, but it is twice the length of the US Appalachian Trail. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's a fantastic initiative. That's great. I just wish they'd do something like that in Australia one day. I mean, we do. I, I take that back in a sense. We we do have the Great Walk in our state, which is um, fairly significant um, and joins up a lot of a lot of national parks. Uh, so yeah, don't don't hate me. Anybody who's involved with bringing that to life. Yeah, that's right. Now, what's interesting about this is there's um, this guy called. A liar. Oh, gosh. Why do I always pick these articles that have things I can't mm. pronounce? I never know. Origoni. Origoni? A liar. Origoni. Mm-hmm. He is bringing, how would you say, bringing attention to the new hike, I guess, promoting it in a sense. <clears throat> and what he's doing is... Um, He's gonna he's gonna hike the whole thing. So this is before it's completed. Just to be to be clear, it doesn't exist yet. He's planning to hike the whole thing, roughly thirty to forty kilometers each day, mm-hmm. walking, um, rowing. He wants to, I guess, paddle some of it, and then hiking again through Sicily, and then rowing again to mainland Italy where he'll walk the rest of the way. On his um, 7,000-kilometre-plus self-propelled journal, hmm. he's hoping to highlight the new announcement. This is where it gets crazy. Uh, here's a quote from him. I'm doing this without using Google Maps or a GPS because we're losing the value of being able to move without a phone in our hands. With a physical map, you have a much wider view of the area where you are. You discover your surroundings and how they connect. Um, that's great, but that's not good for my trek 
record track record at all. Uh, <laughs> I would not fare well uh, on a journey of that magnitude. Yeah, it's tough. Having only paid for maps, but I, I commend him. Well, yeah. That's great. Uh, I don't know how long he intends for this to take. I'm not sure if they mention that in the article or if they don't. He's going to have a seven kilogram backpack, which is um, on the lower sort of extreme end of the, uh, I guess, ultralight movement amongst young Italians, Mm. which is super light if you do that conversion. Shall I do it for our listeners? Oh, I can't even... This is awkward. Can you shine your torch on the keyboard? <laughs> yeah, yeah, then you can I do it. I can't even see. Okay, what did I say? Seven, Seven kilo. This is live. Seven kilograms of pounds. Yeah. Uh, 15 pounds. Um, so, yeah, he's only carrying 15 pounds. Uh, while I'm here, Craig, I should do the conversion of... Um, <clears throat> can you shine it back up here again? Four degrees. 40 kilograms. 40 kilometers. Oh, shit, sorry. Um, you just swore again on the podcast. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. Listen back. <laughs> uh, 24, 25 miles a day he plans to cover. That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> yep, that's a lot. And what was the other thing? Oh, the total, um, 8,000 kilometres, wasn't it? 8,000 kilometres to miles is, drum roll, Oh, just shy of 4,000. Of 5,000. Just shy of 5,000. Yep. At 4,970 miles. Okay, that's a significant hike. So, yeah, this guy's guy's committed. Unbelievable. What's your thoughts on that, Craig? You reckon you'll you'll be keen to do an 8,000-kilometer hike? That's, That's so far. (laughs) <laughs> that's so far that's so far that's from you know Brisbane to Townsville like um, at, at four times wow so yeah I, I don't know why he's doing that no no that sounds good it sounds like a pretty wild adventure it's funny I almost feel like he's going to do it it's uh, a 13 year plan and he's going to do um, this this 8,000 kilometre journey to bring awareness to uh, this trail. I wonder if he's planning to take 13, 13 years. Because he's not using any GPS or anything. No. Does he think... Because I was thinking, hey, if I wanted to bring awareness to something, I'd kind of do it a few sort of months out from the release, you know what I mean? Well, for, for whatever it is. Right. Uh, if it was a film or whatever, or a, let's say it is a trail... I sort of think, hey, six months before we're going to open this brand new trail, we're all going to get out there and we're going to hike it and test it and we're going to we're going to start promoting it. Yeah, yeah. But he's doing it thirteen years in advance. I don't, I don't know how. I'm not knocking him. I think it's a fantastic endeavor. I'm just saying, I don't know if all of us are going to be following this thirteen year journey. <laughs> Mate, he, he's. He's an explorer. He's. Uh, I don't think it's going to take him thirteen years, to be honest. I think if I try to do it, I might, I might come in just under thirteen years. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, which would be perfect because <laughs> just as, you know, I could just get there, back to 
to the end, you know, for the kind of ribbon cutting ceremony or something. Yeah. And then that that would kind of fit in well. <laughs> That's how I'd do it anyway. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Anyway, good luck to you. Um, hey, a quick um, a quick talk, quick talk, a quick conversation about gear. We haven't talked about gear for a while. All right. But the um, as you have uh, spotted on our on our hiking adventure um, the last couple of days, I'm wearing the um, Fjallraven pants. Yeah, which I absolutely love. Now, Fjallraven is translates to Arctic fox, which is pretty cool and a fantastic little logo. Uh, I'm not sponsored by any way in any way, rather, by Fjallraven, but it was a brand I've been watching for a long time, and uh, I've watched a lot of reviews in more recent times, and so I bit the bullet and grabbed a pair of their um, Vida Pro or Vida Pro pants, and I uh, also grabbed a jacket as well. I'm not going to lie, they are not cheap at all. They are on the extreme high end of outdoor, kind of rugged outdoor um, equipment um, but I'll also say it's been extremely comfortable and I've loved having so many pockets to hide stuff in mm. um, so yeah I, I mean I'm not going to sit here and, and say that uh, I've done a full review on them yet because I've only had them on for three or four days but yeah initial impressions is is I really like them I like the fabric it's really starting to soften up now and and uh, sort of fitting me nice and snugly. Hmm. I think it's good stuff. Stay tuned. See if I um, if I still feel that way in the future. Mm. And the um, the electric wok that we found down there in the scrub that oh. we used for cooking our bacon on this morning <laughs> is that not going to make the gear? Get, no, it will make the gear. Oh, the gear talk. it was good. It was great. We found a a wok. <laughs> um, the ghetto walk the ghetto walk <laughs> and uh, it's so in in the middle of nowhere we found a a walk at the base of this waterfall and the only thing we can kind of put together is at some point um so the owner of this property at some point he thinks there was some kind of a structure down there where someone was either camping long term or where they'd go down and spend some time mm-hmm very rugged structure because it's all fallen down. Um, but we found a, a little billy, which is an Australian word for kind of like a uh, a pot that you'd put on the fire to boil water to make tea or coffee uh, mm-hmm. and other food. But well, we found that as well. But this, we found that find this wok. And I thought, well, that's, that's going to be pretty handy because we were cooking up a storm down there and it was filthy, but I burnt it with fire and everything and basically killed any germs. But as Craig has pointed out, the hilarious thing is it was an electric wok. <laughs> it wasn't like a cast iron thing that you would expect to put on a fire. It, it had the little the little plug, the element underneath and the plug thing. Yeah. Oh, it was hilarious. <laughs> it, was it, was it was bizarre. They, they were taking the plastic off and everything but anyway we used it and it was absolutely spectacular 
I'm so grateful that it was there. It's just funny that it was electric. No, I just brought that up because it was um, a great experience for us to have some different gear that we had to cook on the fire with. And um, I love watching you use those pans that you actually had, that pan you had today. Uh, today. And um, my little uh, titanium um, grill. Yeah, that little really grill well. was pretty funky. That's by Elton Goods. And, yeah, yeah, that's kind of... Uh, I mean, you can't take that every... Um, Every hike, especially, you know, we had this discussion while we were out there. Oh, because of the open fire. That's right. You're not allowed to have open fires in um, national parks and things like that. Um, so it really kind of limits you, your cooking choices back down to a hmm. to your typical kind of gas stoves and all that sort of stuff. But I think for what that grill was uh, in the situation uh, last night, it was absolutely spot on. It's just the perfect size for that monster steak that you chucked on it, <laughs> it was <laughs> and uh yeah it's good you know it, it only really elevated that steak about oh, maybe mm. three to five millimeters off the off the hot coals so it was absolutely fantastic i'm so glad you had it there yeah it's it's super lightweight so that's what i went for and i can see myself yeah packing in a cold steak sometimes as long as you know you're gonna have an open fire yeah it's yep. great yeah, yeah that's exactly right mate fantastic uh last but not least tom's magical mystery media mashup i've only got two two quick videos i want to talk about one I discovered by accident going down the rabbit hole on YouTube, as I do, searching for exciting content to share with you, the listeners, so you can go and watch the exciting content and go, wow, that's exciting content. I'm glad Tom shared the exciting content. So exciting. Yeah, that's it's exciting. It was it's a it's like a short documentary. I think it, oh, it's it's been a few weeks since I watched it, but. I think it was in the vicinity of 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes. And it's about this guy who photographs fungi. Now, I'm not talking about um, going in the forest and, and photographing little toadstools and, and uh, interesting fungi during the day. What I'm talking about is this guy has perfected the art of um, photographing fungi at night. And what you'll find with... So many species of fungi as they actually glow at night. Mm -hmm. So he does these long exposures uh, and photographs fungi, and it the results are nothing short of absolutely spectacular and mm -hmm. beautiful mm -hmm. and mind blowing. Because you, you, I just don't think that everyone realizes that that um, this is happening all around them. So it goes a little further in that he's actually also perfected uh, time-lapsing these fungi. And what he's done is he's got this old shipping container at his house and he's made it all the perfect environment to grow fungi. And then he collects spores and, and takes them into his um, little laboratory in, in the pitch black and starts these spores growing and then he sets up um long explode long exposure time lapses and you see this fluorescent 
fungi growing across a log and sprouting these little mushrooms or whatever it might be. Uh, it's absolutely mm. so cool. Like, it's so cool. Um, I remember <laughs> stumbling across it and watching the whole thing just straight away in one go, and I just loved it. I just loved everything about it. That was really cool. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to put the uh, link in the show notes. If you're new to the podcast, the show notes is uh, a I do a page for every single episode in which I list all of the um, sort of articles that um, we speak about and, uh, yeah, all the other interesting stuff like um, this fungi video. Insert um, dad joke about fungi here. <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> uh, the other one I wanted to talk about was this hilarious old, old footage from 1971 of um, a TV show, or rather, I guess, a um, miniature, like more like a, a short documentary on this survival challenge. So we tend to think, you know, in, in, in this modern day that, uh, things like Bear grills and, um, oh, what's another one? Um, Survivor Naked Man. and Afraid, mm -hmm. uh, Survivor Man, the, the list goes on and on. Um, dual Survival, all those things are, to us, they're kind of a modern concept that because of the, the, uh, you know, the advantages now of, of small cameras and stuff like that, that we're able to capture all these shows. And then maybe perhaps even that it's a brand new concept. In this early 1970s documentary, they send, uh, I think, about six Australians into the wilderness uh, on this property um, with basically with nothing except the clothes on their back. And they drop them off and this camera crew um, films them all day and then, and then disappears and leaves them for the night, comes back the next day. And their aims to stay there for a couple of weeks it's absolutely hilarious, Craig. Like, yeah? you, oh, man, it's so good. And it's what makes it twice as funny is um, just how Australian... There had to be some accents there. Oh, like, it's full on. It's Anything more, from that era. Exactly right. That's exactly right, Craig. It's way more um, Aussie than, than I guess our accent is now. <laughs> it's kind of more, uh, if I can say, refined. Uh, I guess it's it's um it's morphed over the years, but this is um, yeah. oh it's so good, Craig. And even the interviewer, like, sorry, not the interviewer, the uh, host is not a good word. The writer. Um, no, well, he's part of the six, <clears throat> but then he's obviously some kind of reporter in real life. Um, so then each day he's kind of reporting on how things are going and how he feels the dynamics are going and all this crazy stuff. And, uh, <clears throat> oh, there's some funny bits in it. But he's great. He's great. Um, and, and they're all fantastic. But, yeah, as you say, um, he kind of asked them, so, you know, how do you how do you feel like you're going? And he goes, oh, yeah, I, everything seems to be going all right, you know? Yeah, they're doing all right. Uh, we're not dead yet. <laughs> <laughs> 
got a few, got a, got a bit more time in us yet. Yeah, it's a, it's just real funny. This kind of not, not just the accent, but that real Aussie kind of. Um, oh yeah, okay, sort of that grit from from back then when before we got soft is. Um, they're just getting on with it. Even this old lady, like she must be like early sixties or something, late fifties, early sixties, and um, she's out there with them. And um, they're asking her, um, "How you think you're going?" And that, and and she's answering all these. Oh yeah, it'd be good if I could kind of help out a bit more with the, you know, getting food and stuff. But yeah. <laughs> oh man, so it's, it's great. It's just I laugh my head off. But also at the same time, like I said at the start, it was really cool to see something produced way back before all the hype. Um, that was essentially um, the mm. same thing in a lot of ways. Right. Oh, yeah. That's that's a good find, mate. Yeah, be... oh, it was tops. I, I, it was tops, absolutely. Um, it's a must-see. <clears throat> okay. All right, guess what I'm not going to forget? <laughs> Question time. I mean, um, answer quiz. Answer time, really. Answer time, yeah, yeah, quiz answer. <clears throat> okay. All right, so the question was, I'll repeat it once more. If you visited a different beach each day in Australia, how long would it take you to visit eat every beach? Craig, oh, yeah. did you just look at my notes then? No, I'd have honestly. Okay, have good. Not Do you, okay, so how long would it take? Um, a year. Ooh, interesting. What do you all think, listeners? Uh, let me give you the answer, mate. You're slightly off. It would take you. 29 years. Yeah, right. Just over 29 years, in fact, as we currently have 10,685 uh, registered beaches. That's what I was going to say. So registered beaches. Yeah, yeah. So that's registered. So there's going to be more. There's going to be more. Maybe mm. maybe put away 40 years. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But 29 years to hit all of the um, registered beaches. Wow. That's a long backpacking trip or holiday for all you people planning on coming over here. Yeah. Uh, it's also probably why we've got the highest um, sun cancer rate in the world, I believe. Probably, probably is. Probably closely related to that yep. fact right there. <laughs> yeah, I got some good what beaches. What a budgie smugglers was... Sorry, Craig, I just cut you off there. Well, we got some good beaches, haven't we? We have got some good beaches. Um, absolute crackers. What are budgie smugglers? What are budgie smugglers? They are men's swimwear, but how would you explain them, Craig? Briefs. Yeah. Very small swimwear. Speedos. Oh, and okay, so I know, I know everyone knows what a smuggler is. Um, someone who's, you know, trying to discreetly uh, hide something and mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. get something out of the country or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, but people might not want to know what a budgie is. A budgie yeah. is a small... Uh, parrot-like bird, yep. um, which I didn't realize because lots of people have them as pets. I didn't I realize one. they actually were natives. Oh, yeah, you've got one. Yeah. What's his or her name? Uh, Banjo. Banjo. That's incredible. My son's got a dove and he just named it Banjo. No way. Yeah, r r incredible. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah, he's had it um, for like a couple of weeks. And <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, he called it Banjo. He, yeah, we, we named it Banjo. didn't know anything about you, Budgie. That's crazy. Yeah, that's well, what a coincidence. Really, yeah, I'm going to tell him when I get home. Year tonight, and a half we've had tomorrow. A little banjo. He um, gets out and 
crawls around on me and yeah, nibbles my ear and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, oh, they're cool. So, yeah, Budgie's a small <coughs> bird, and so the name Budgie Smugglers, I mean, just kind of, you can make up the picture in your head. Um, and basically, you know, if you were trying to smuggle a small bird um, out of a particular place in your small underwear, that's where they get the name. So yep. Yep. there you go. Good stuff, eh? Yeah, mate. Yeah. I think everyone needs to know that. Right. Just in case you didn't, now you do, and you'll never be able to forget you, it. You, you can never unthink that um, scene I just described. That's it, mate. I'm done. I, I'm actually starting to get quite cold. Mate, I'm So freezing. I do, I am literally going to wrap this up right now. Okay. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, thank you for your support. Thanks for checking in on us through this little break. We have a lot of good stuff coming up in the near future. Some interesting guests are in the process of being lined up. Uh, I know you're going to love it. Thank you very much. Take it easy. See you guys. If you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, we'd really appreciate your ratings and comments if you can spare the time. If you'd like to know more about Hike or Die TV and keep track of our adventures around Australia, make sure you drop by hikeordie.com. That's where you'll find all the information you'll need to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or Pinterest. As always, we appreciate your support. Thanks for listening.